are you free to express a wide range of emotions? So not just your happy emotions, but also anger, sadness, frustration, even at times when that sadness and frustration is related to your partner's behavior. Because that's the thing that can happen in kind of more toxic or more dysfunctional situations as well, where like, I can't, I'm not allowed to be sad if it's related to something that you did in the past. I'm not allowed to be angry if it's related to an action that you took that actually hurt me, you know? Um, but if your partner is able to make space for that, then that's different. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about ch-ch-ch-changes. We're talking See, I about knew you were going to do change. that. I didn't even write it that way. I knew you were going to do, do that Do you want him to change, Dedeker? Do you want him to change from the way that he is? Oh, no. I don't. <laughs> it's a commonly repeated refrain that you can't date someone hoping to change them. But at the same time, as human beings, we do change frequently over the course of our lives and relationships. Today, we'll be talking about when it is or isn't reasonable to expect change in your partner and how to tell if someone who has promised to change is actually following through with it. Yeah, I feel like that's just, again, more low-hanging fruit of relationship advice about, you know, don't date someone or marry someone hoping that they're going to change down the road because they're probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that it's reasonable necessarily to just think that, yeah, you can change someone. Although so many people out there, probably myself included in relationships, thought that maybe I could, maybe I could do it. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because there's sort of two parts to it. There's one is, is the person going to change or not? And like, what's reasonable to change, which is what we're talking about in this episode. But I think with that advice, there's that second piece of, now you're committing to something before the change that's important to you. And I think mm. that's, I, d I do agree with that, though. I do think that's pretty key of like, if this is something you believe they can change and you think they will, let's have that happen first before you end up in any extra legal entanglements with this person like marriage or a lease or adopting a pet or having a child. Extra legal, doesn't that mean like outside the terms of this contract? <laughs> Su supplemental, legal, not extra legal, one word. You can but just like, say legal, just legal. It's just legal. Additional, additional legal. There we go. Okay, there additional you go. legal <laughs> entanglements with this person, yes. So what kind of situations arise in life that could make us expect a partner to change in some particular way? Well, at the beginning of a relationship, often we are just like in the throes of intense NRE. Mm -hmm. um, and it can make us feel just totally amazing in the moment. And so if you see like little red flags or like weird behaviors or something along those lines, it might be easier for you to believe that eventually those might just go away or you can deal with them later or something along those lines. You can like kick the can down the road a bit. Uh, so that might be a thing. It might be an instance where you're like, maybe they'll change or I don't know. I, I'm not going to worry about it right now because I'm so in love with you and I'm so obsessed with you, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, yeah. There might also be times like areas of incompatibility, like little things or bigger things, depending on what you believe. But we talked about this a little bit in episode 243, uh, our compatibility episode. But things like timeliness or cleanliness, how you handle your money, what you want to do in sex or how often you want to have sex, uh, life goals, personal values, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You might might be tempted to think like, okay, th this will change eventually over time or I can change my partner's views on these things, or I can get my partner to be less uh, not punctual. What's the opposite of punctual? Late? Tardy? Just totally Just late. late. Tardy, tardiness. Tardiness, right. yes. 
Uh, and then this is a big one, especially for what we like to talk about on this podcast, which is a person's definition of fidelity or like even how into monogamy or non-monogamy one might be if -hmm. they want it in their life if they say like yeah that's cool like you have other partners and i'm starting to date you and i've never been or non-monogamous before but uh i'm fine with it no problem but eventually i'd like to maybe be monogamous with you yeah, and that hoping thing that like hoping that'll that, change, right? I think yeah. that can go on both I, sides, right? It that definitely goes oh, on both sure. sides for sure. Yeah. The cowboy and the the cowy, cow, <laughs> the cowboy and the cow. Yes, that classic yes. cow, that classic fable about the polyamorous and the monogamous person <laughs> trying to change each other. Well, but I do exactly. see that on the flip side all the time. Um, you know, with people who are like, okay, well, I'm okay to not have a non-monogamous relationship now. I would like that in the future. Yeah. And even though my partner has given me zero indication that they're going to feel good about that in the future, mm-hmm. I'm still mm-hmm. going to kind of hold out hope that at some point in the future we can do that. And yeah. sure, sure, some people can pull that off. Some people can also pull off, you know, kind of the future monogamy thing. But with some people, it, it's less of a preference and really more of kind of potentially an incompatibility. Yeah. It, it might be someone's identity and the other mm-hmm. person is like not okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the difference between I know that I'm okay with eventually doing what my partner wants versus I'm going to stay with them hoping they're going to change to come around to my way of thinking, even though they've not indicated that they actually want to do that. Mm -hmm. Even if they're like, well, I don't know, maybe who knows what I'll feel later. Like that's still not that's still not saying, yes, I want to change. And so maybe that's something we can talk about as we get into this. Uh, okay, so it could also be smaller things, like annoyances and irritations, maybe related to some of those key incompatibilities that Emily mentioned, uh, but it could also just be, you know, the just the little idiosyncrasies about how they, you know, leave their water glass out, or where they like to put their computer when they're not using it, or, you know, any number of little <laughs> you things. Looking at Dedeker and like yeah. thinking about things that piss you off about her. No, no, no. That's the computer one is one she gets mad at me about. I uh, see. So, okay, okay. Amazing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, of course, there's like those everyday things that I think a lot of people can relate to, especially if you live with someone that, you know, that's part and parcel of living with someone is you also get exposed to all their weird little habits. Quirks. They're weird little quirks, you know, that are maybe weird or annoying or frustrating or any number of things. Uh, Another situation where we might be expecting a partner to change could be if there's been some kind of boundary violation, both intentional and unintentional as well. So, I mean, an example I came up with was maybe you've expressed to your partner, I don't really want to be touched in this particular way during sex, but your partner either intentionally or unintentionally maybe keeps doing it and so that's a situation where you'd probably pretty understandably be like i want them to change what they are doing right um and of course also uh if you're in a situation where there's any kind of like toxic or abusive behavior we're going to get more into the nitty-gritty of that later on in the episode but that's another situation where quite understandably you'd probably be hoping that a partner would change yeah so let's let's get into I guess let's just get started, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so is it ever reasonable to expect a partner to change? Or do we need to just live by the old adage of like, don't expect anyone to change? Ever, ever, don't ever get your your hopes up. It reminds me a little bit of a joke that I heard on that old 90s TV show, The Pretender. And the psychologist this is character... This well before our time. This is probably before your time, yes. Yeah, I have no idea okay. what you're talking about, Jace. Well, it's called yeah. The Pretender. Anyway, not important. But the, the character who is like the psychologist on it, at one point he says, he gives the joke of how many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? One, but the light bulb has to want to change. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's a good yeah. one. I think that that kind of fits here where like, is it reasonable to expect your partner to change? Maybe depends partly on whether they want to change. Yeah, yeah. so that is part of it. We will get into it. I, I think the ultimate answer is that yes, there are times that it is reasonable to expect a partner to change, but it highly depends on the context. And we've gathered a little list of some things that are probably okay to ask for or expect within a healthy relationship. Yeah. 
So number one is change in actions. So this is, you know, could relate to the things we talked about with where they leave their computer, where they set their glass when they're done with it, doing certain things around the house, or maybe not doing certain things around the house, wanting check-ins at a particular time, something like that. Something that's sort of a concrete, tangible individual action of like, I would like this to change. I'd like this to be different. That, that, that could be a reasonable thing to ask. And we talk a lot about communication on this show. And I think that that can kind of go in this category too, like a change in a communication approach, whether that's talking about the Triforce in a specific way. And we are going to talk about that a little bit more, or even just adding in a radar and like making it monthly and really sticking to that, um, you know, a, a particular check in that you have just to make sure that everything is kind of flowing well within your relationship, stuff like that. I think that it's reasonable to ask for that and to, to stick by it. Yeah. I think it's reasonable to ask for like, Hey, can we work together to kind of change our communication approach to each other a little bit? You know, maybe we can't completely overhaul the ways that we're naturally inclined to communicate, but we can make requests of our partner of the things that may make it a little bit easier to communicate and kind of get our meaning across it's also okay to ask for and expect a compromise. So as in working together with your partner as a team uh, toward coming up with solutions that honor both of your needs. So as an example, you know, maybe it's like, okay, I know that you consistently stay late at work on Wednesdays. And I know that you actually really love your work and it's really engaging. And so how about like, I'm okay, I won't give you a hard time for staying late at work on Wednesdays, but maybe can we make that a regular day where we get lunch together during the day instead of hanging out in the evening um, or whatever. Like it's totally reasonable to also expect that you and your partner can work on compromise that will help make a healthy change in your relationship. Things like changes of opinion or outlook, this is an interesting one because it really only works if you and your partner kind of share similar basic values. But if you mm. can discuss or debate ideas where you differ in, in good faith, um, that can be a good thing. And that's an interesting one. Yeah, because I don't know it people can have like totally opposing opinions and still like be able to function well together. Yeah. And, and again, it gets a little fuzzy when it's kind of like, well, what counts as sharing similar basic values? You know, that's something you kind of have to figure out. But I think about something like, honestly, if I'm in a relationship with someone who share, who has a basic value of like, I think monogamy is the most stable relationship structure and all relationships should be moving towards that. You know, our relationship is probably not going to work out super great. Like none of us, neither of us are going to be able to change each other's opinion on that necessarily. Um, However, if I'm in a relationship with a partner where we share more values about non-monogamy or polyamory, about the way that, you know, how those things make relationships better potentially, then it may be safer for us to talk about the minutia of what do we feel about unicorn hunting? What do you feel about casual sex? What do you feel about sex positivity, sex negativity, you know, and it's okay for us to differ on those things and kind of have friendly debate. Um, and it's okay that over the course of a relationship, maybe we do change each other in that in a certain extent. I mean, I definitely know that in my healthy relationships, they've been really influential in kind of changing my perspectives on a wide variety of things. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think when it comes to those those things within polyamory, like like kitchen table versus more compartmentalized or things like that, that it's definitely affected by the people that I'm with. Uh, in, in a good way, you know, just my opinions will change seeing how that relationship works with them, seeing how they do relationships. So yeah, I definitely agree with that one that but but yes, if I were dating someone monogamous, I wouldn't I don't they're they're not gonna convince me to go, Oh yeah, huh. That's actually what Monogamy. I want. Yeah, cool. that's sort of a, the fundamental part doesn't match. Yeah. And helping your partner make changes of things that they're really motivated to make. Um, mm -hmm. in a way that they want to really be helped and supported, that's, that's a good thing. That's a thing that we can strive to do for our partners and for ourselves. So something like if your partner's really motivated to go back to school and they do something like ask for your help getting paperwork together or your advice on something, you can definitely do that. It doesn't mean that you have to be like their parent or their college counselor or something. Uh, pushing them like every step of the way. But if you can help them in that change, if you can help them in that goal, then that's a really positive thing for your relationship. I could see this also applying to something where 
say your partner really wants to make some other kind of life change. Like, I want to be, I don't know, I don't know if this is a weird example, but become more of a morning person or something yeah. like that. And maybe you're excited about that too, because you're a morning person and you would like for your schedules to line up a little bit better. Then yeah, absolutely. That seems reasonable to hope for and expect that change since it's something they also want to change mm-hmm. as opposed to it being something you want to kind of impose on them goes back to the light bulb wanting to change thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, I'm going to say it again. We're going to be kind of a broken record on this one, but it just needs to be said that yes, if there is directly harmful behavior happening, toxic behavior, abusive behavior, it is totally reasonable to ask for and hope for a partner to change that. But let's switch gears and talk about the areas where maybe it's not okay to ask a partner to change or expect that a partner changes. And so again, I'm going to throw this in there. We're going to be a little bit of a broken record on this until the end of the episode. But again, if you're in a relationship where there's toxic, abusive behavior, directly harmful behavior, addictive behavior, maybe, it's totally acceptable that A, either you leave that relationship or B, you expect major change on this front or both. But let's switch gears and talk about where it's not okay to ask for or expect your partner to change. And I think the first thing out the gate is expecting your partner to change their personality traits. So for instance, you know, you know that you have this extroverted partner who just really gets a lot of joy out of socializing, but you really wish they would just learn to be okay with staying home all the time. They have to right now. Who oh boy. Well, but... yes. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I could see that even applying, you know, during lockdown times is I wish my partner would stop being so extroverted. Stop with the Zoom, Zoom calls. Yeah, yeah, stop calling everybody all the time. Well, I was going to say, like, so they can stop being so frustrated and upset during lockdown. Mm. Like, I just want them to have a better time. So maybe if they just changed their personality to not be someone who needs so much social, social interaction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah my partner's like really happy right now that that we're all locked down and he's like, I'm loving this. I'm such an introvert. And I'm like, oh, I got to get out. I got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one is changes in something like how your partner dresses all the time. Uh, th- this one, I feel like my hope is that this is less of a current concern for people today. I'm sure it still is sometimes, but I get the impression that from marriage advice books and things like that from generations past, that this was a much more common concern of Mm. generally specifically a husband dictating the way that his wife would dress. Whoa. Uh, In what fashion? I mean, whatever. I've been there. Fashion. I don't like when you wear those outfits that are so low cut or something. Oh yeah, no. I've I've dated someone who said that to me mm. once. It wasn't about a low cut outfit, but it was about I think wearing a skirt that was too short. And mm. I'm not in that relationship anymore. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was so, years ago. I guess though. I guess it does does still happen in modernish mm. days, but uh, I well, hope I it's less of a I, thing. The way that I think about it now is I think about it more of you know, looking at your partner and being like, oh, God, they just like dress like a slob all the time. Uh, I see. Or, yeah. Like a nerd or they don't put any effort into their appearance. And I'm really frustrated with that stuff like that. Yeah, that that I think that one kind of it goes into that territory of if that's something they also want to improve, then, yeah, that's reasonable to expect some change there. But if it's not something that they want to do, that's not your business to get them to change that. And that's something you need to evaluate for yourself if you're okay with being in that relationship yeah no one wants an unasked for personal stylist at the end of the day uh it's also not reasonable to expect your partner to completely change or abandon their circle of friends and i'm going to take this and extend this to if you're non-monogamous it's also not reasonable to expect your partner to completely change or abandon other partners Mm -hmm. um it's probably not reasonable to expect your partner to completely change and overhaul the kind of relationship they have with other people uh and again this is a tricky one because it's also so context dependent but it's the kind of thing where you know if you're not getting along with a partner you're not getting along with one of their friends you know that's a situation where it might be better to put up personal boundaries or kind of collaborate rather than kind of expecting or demanding okay you can't hang out with this friend anymore yeah 
Uh, uh, and similar to that is expecting your partner to change their relationship orientation, like we talked about non-monogamous or monogamous, or their sexual orientation. Like, I really want my partner to become bisexual. If that's not something that's fluid mm-hmm. to them or that they also want, like, this is absolutely not. You cannot expect this. You will not get this. No one's going to be happy if you do expect that or think you'll only be happy once they get there. Stop. Stop. Give that one up right now. <laughs> yeah. It's also not okay to expect major change in what your partner eats. Again, if this is not something that they are interested in changing, um, food shaming anybody is not great. Even though I come from a, I come from a long family line of food shaming. Oh, me too. And oh, I yeah. have to try hard to to hold back that habit. Me too. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, similarly, no one wants an unasked for dietitian. And yeah, and right now, like, a lot of people are enjoying food and enjoying that comfort, and it's, like, allow it. Like, Oh, you mean, like, doing lockdown it. stuff? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, everyone's relationship to food and stress eating is really coming out of the woodworks here. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and related to that is also, it's probably not okay to ask for or expect major change in how their partner takes care of their body. And it's this is a hard one for some people, but, like, we really do have to respect people's bodily autonomy because to add it to the list, no one wants an unasked for personal trainer also at the end of so the all day. All of Dedekers are really just about <laughs> unasked for professionals. <laughs> yeah, no one wants an unasked okay. for pro- professional. Right. Yeah. We only want professionals we've consented to or that we've invited in. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so things like on-demand change in your partner's sex drive, yeah, that's not a good yeah. one to expect. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to, to say on-demand. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like, hey, I'm, or if somebody comes to you and is constantly, I want to have sex, I want to have sex, I want to have sex, or Mm -hmm. you're asking for it too much on the other side, and like, I wish that you would just be less into it or more into it. Right. I thought you were going for on demand as in there's sort of the overall change of I want my partner to want different things sexually or more often or something. And the other of like, I want you to change right now in this moment into someone who well, wants to have sex both. right now or something. There's kind yeah. of both, right? Yeah. You know, kind of no, both. That's, what I mean, I, I, that's why I thought you were saying on demand to kind of emphasize both of those. There's like the short term changes and the big Well, long-term. okay. And, I wrote it. Yeah. I wrote like the on demand change specifically because I, I realized that like in relationship, like, and just as human beings, all of us have fluctuations in sex drive, those of us who are sexual, um, you know, we have natural fluctuations that happen over the course of our lives, depending on the season of life, depending on the day, depending on where you're at in your menstrual cycle, depending on what hormones you're on, you know? And so it's the kind of thing where I don't want to tell somebody you are stuck the way that you are and don't expect that's ever going to change um, as far as like your sex drive is concerned. But I do just wanted to point out that like, counting on that or expecting that that's going to happen or expecting that that's going to happen to like you know the timeline that you want for your partner Mm. is probably just going to cause some some sadness and frustration for you both yeah yeah and also on-demand change in your partner's current emotional state even yeah if that emotional state is happening for maybe a period of time to just say like hey i really you need to buck up like get over it or Mm. something Mm. along those lines like that's not okay yeah, again, this is also a tricky one because it's like, let's say your partner is really, really angry. You can yeah. ask them to be like, hey, can you lower your voice? Hey, can you not stomp around? You can ask them to change their actions, but you can't ask them, hey, stop being angry. Get angry, over it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 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 There's a, a difference there. Distinction. Behavior yeah. versus the emotion itself. Because, yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then ultimately pushing a change in your partner that you want rather than what they want. And that kind of goes along with everything that we just talked about. Like, right. I want my partner to dress better, so I'm going to buy him a bunch of clothes and expect him to wear it or something. Or like, yeah, anything along those lines. Just like a change that is not something that they're excited about, but that you really want to happen. That's probably not okay. Yeah. And again, even this list is kind of tricky because in all of these areas, it could still be reasonable, again, to ask for actions to change, to ask for a compromise, or for you to put up a boundary in order to protect yourself. So for example, with the the clothing or the way your partner dresses, for instance, you know, maybe you'll be in a situation of like, okay, I know that 
you really don't like wearing button ups, but you know, since we're going to go to my family and they like getting formal for the holidays, do you mind putting one on just for today on Christmas day, you know, and then just for today, Mm -hmm. you can make that request. Your partner could say no, could be like, no, sorry, I'm, I'm, I got to go in a t-shirt and jeans. That's my, that's my most comfortable me. Um, you know, but you can make the request. Um, or for instance, you might need to put up a boundary. So, you know, let's say you have a partner where they have a friend that comes over that talks about politics and it's really upsetting to you. And so instead of it being, hey, you can't hang out with that friend anymore, or hey, I don't want you talking to that friend anymore. Maybe it's like, okay, yeah, when that friend comes over, I'm happy to hang out. But if politics comes up in the conversation, I'm just going to politely excuse myself and go I don't know, put around the kitchen or something, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's your personal boundary that doesn't involve needing to expect your partner to change their relationship with their friend. Um, and then with the sex one, you know, maybe you can come to your partner and make a request or ask for a compromise of like, hey, sometimes if I approach you for sex and you're not in the mood, I feel kind of sad or a little rejected. And so when that happens, would you be willing to maybe give me a hug, tell me that you still think that I'm sexy, tell me that you like the way that I look, and then that can be the end of the interaction, you know? That's again, a nice one. Yeah, your partner could say no, they could say yes, they could say, actually, how about we try this, you know? But again, that's kind of asking for a change that isn't requiring them to completely fundamentally change their sex drive or who they are as a sexual being. Yeah. No, those are all great examples of mm-hmm. of ways you can take the things, like if you have frustration over something that's on that list where we said... It's probably not a reasonable thing to expect someone to change. There might still be something related to it that you both could collaborate on to to make that better for both of you, though. Yeah. So in our second half of the episode, we're going to be moving on to talking about, okay, what do you actually do when you find yourself in a situation of really wishing that your partner would change something? But first, we're going to take a break to talk about the ways that you can support this show and keep this show coming at you for free every week. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So... Let's say you're in a situation where you've identified, okay, I really wish my partner would change X, Y, and Z. What do I do about it? 
do I just collapse and assume they're never going to change and I can't do anything? And so I just like slide into years of resentment and misery in the rest of my relationship. That's the wrong answer. (laughs) (laughs) That's not correct. Um, So first, we're going to lay out some things for you to think about and some things for you to try as well. Uh, The first thing that you can do is change your focus. So shift away from focusing on what your partner is doing or the way that they are being and take a little time to focus on yourself with curiosity. So you can ask yourself some questions like, what might be triggering me here? Does this situation remind me of something from my past, from my childhood, from a previous relationship? Do I need a boundary here? Could I ask for something here? Am I bringing in any kind of assumptions or expectations? You know, so I think it's really good to at least take a little bit of time of examining kind of what's going on and getting kind of your thoughts and feelings in order. And this isn't necessarily for the purpose of just talking yourself out of your annoyance or talking yourself out of your feelings, but just to get some more clarity and some more information of what's going on inside you. I think part of that too, is that then when you do have a conversation and talk about compromise, if you've spent some time exploring what's really at the root of this for you, when compromises are proposed, you'll be much more equipped to identify, no, actually, that's not going to address what's really going on here for me. Or, yeah, yeah, that actually will. Or let's change it this way. So let's let's bring in an example to work with. I know, Emily, you talked about the example of, you said that you've talked to so many people lately that have a particular communication complaint in common. Yeah. So it's funny because we created the Triforce of Communication specifically for this, but I've had various uh, colleagues at work who are men who come and talk to me about their girlfriends and how their girlfriends are constantly upset when they come to them about a problem and then they the men go and like tell them, oh, well, you should do X, Y, and Z thing. You should do this, this, and this, and like calm down about this, whatever. And the women get really upset about the fact that their their partners were giving them advice rather than just kind of, you know, being there for them and being happy or being happy to kind of be sweet to them and poor baby them and be like, yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry that you're going through this. And yeah, this is definitely one that is kind of a tale as old as time. This happens to a lot of people, but I've seen it happen recently. And so that's potentially a thing that you could ask for change on, ask for a communication style change on. Yeah. So so let's think about this from the perspective of like, let's say you're the partner where you kind of have an issue with like how your partner communicates with you. Your partner jumps to T3 all the time, jumps to advice giving just right out the gate. And it really bums you out. And so then, yeah, you can have the ask these questions of like, you know, what is triggering me here? Is it, you know, because I'm missing out on empathy and validation? Is it because it reminds me of every single relationship I've ever had with a man? Is it because it sometimes it feels mansplainy? You know, could there be a boundary here? You know, stuff like that. You can get really curious about what's going on first. So next, after you've spent some time evaluating things for yourself, if you feel the need to complain about something do it without blaming or shaming. So blame puts the other party immediately on the defensive and shaming or criticizing someone into change doesn't work. And it's shitty. Even if you don't mean it to be, (laughs) it's shitty. Uh, I would recommend checking out episode 232, Criticism, and episode 281 and 282, which was our two-part series on shame, if you really want to... Shame wanna... and, and shame. <laughs> what was the <laughs> first one? Yeah. It was like shame origins shame and shame oh, yeah. and shame or something. Yes. Yeah. You, you came up with that. It was good. It was good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Dr. John Gottman says, people can change only if they feel that they are basically liked and accepted the way they are. When people feel criticized, disliked, and unappreciated, they're unable to change. Instead, they feel under siege and dig in to protect themselves. I think this is so interesting. That idea of if you really want your partner to change, being okay with them as they are now is going to be a more effective way for them to be able to change, which is a little bit of one of those mind paradox things. That's good, though. Yeah. Yeah. But an example of you know, how you would not want to go about this is going to your partner, you know, with your communication complaint and being like, you act like you just know everything. And so you hop straight to giving advice and you don't know everything and you can't just spend your life acting like a know-it-all and it really pisses me off. 
probably not going to set a foundation for actual effective change. No. I would say a good example then on the other side is if you're the one giving advice and you're sick of your golden advice being (laughs) shat upon by your partner, Uh, uh, that similarly a bad approach would be to come in and be like, you need to get your shit together because I'm giving you how to fix this. You need to stop complaining and start fixing your problems. Mm, And I'm trying to help you with that. That's also not a good, not a good solution for getting the change that you want. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. shaming your partner on the other end for Mm -hmm. sure. So on your end, you should seek to understand before being understood. This is a really big one because this can be done with things like open-ended questions And those are asked with compassion, with good faith about your partner's background, about their dreams, about past baggage or pain, what may have happened in their childhood, stuff like that. Uh, Maybe their way of thinking, if they have like kind of formulated a big opinion about a specific thing and like this is fundamental to them, then ask them about it. Um, Yeah, if family of origin, stuff like that, that's huge because I know for myself, if something has come up, even even about like the dishes or whatever, and it's like, hey, my, you know, parents really scolded me as a kid about the dishes. And so when you did the same thing to me, I felt really defensive and really hurt by that. Like there, you know, just knowing that little nugget of advice or like that that nugget about their past can completely change the way that you react to your partner in the yeah. future. Yeah, the way that I imagine this playing out with our little example scenario is, you know, maybe you go to your partner and you explain, hey, the other day when I was talking about this difficult relationship situation, and you hop straight to advice, it was kind of hard, like I realized that actually I kind of just wanted empathy and holding and yada, yada, yada. And as you have the conversation, it's like, maybe you can get some new understanding when your partner tells you like, oh, yeah, you're right. But you know, when I heard what you were going through, I realized I've been through the same exact thing. And I really didn't want you to go through this same thing. And so that's why I hopped straight to telling you, you need to go see a therapist or, you know, whatever it was. And while that doesn't mean that it excuses your partner or that that means that you don't want them to change their communication, but it can help just generate more understanding and more empathy in the situation, which is going to lead to ultimately a better conversation. And again, it's doing more to prepare yourself for when you have the conversation about what can we do? What actions could we take together? What compromises could we make by having more information similar to examining yourself so you know if a, a suggestion or a compromise will even solve the problem for you, but also knowing, is this a reasonable compromise to suggest that could work for them? Like if, if you have a better understanding of why this is an issue for them or why they believe or do something different from how you do, that that can also, again, help. It's just arming you with better tools to be able to have a good compromise, something that's not only going to work, but is also going to be satisfying to both parties. And ideally, when talking about this stuff, you should be offering empathy and understanding, even if you don't agree with your partner's way of thinking. That's definitely a big one, because Mm -hmm. you still may Mm -hmm. be like, "Mm, I think they're wrong. But hey, like, I, I appreciate you telling me this. And this gives me some new data points for the future. Yeah. And we highly recommend, you know, for opening up this conversation, any kind of conversation or discussion about change or raising a grievance or anything like that is using what the Gottmans call soft startup or softened startup. So again, as in instead of going straight on the attack or going straight to the criticism, it follows this super simple formula, which is just, I feel X about Y, I need Z from you. And it sounds so simple, maybe too simple, But when you're in a situation where you're really pissed off or there's a lot of feelings or you're feeling really scattered, this is a great simple formula to just start with, you know, just as a place to start. Let's apply it to our example. Great. I feel upset when you jump to giving me advice every single time. I need love and understanding and empathy from you, not advice. 
Okay, well, my relationship coach wants to jump in there and get all nitpicky about the details. Okay, fine. <laughs> By all no, means, no, no. Denigrin. No, no, no. Okay, sorry, sorry. No, Emily, that was great. Thank I'm gonna you. just re I'm just gonna I'm just gonna <laughs> tweak it a bit. I'm just gonna tweak it a little bit because okay. I'm a little bit worried that like by using the words every time, you might be sabotaging. Oh, did I say that? I didn't even hear myself say bit, that. You know. Sorry. Yeah, I, so, I, so I should know better. I should know better. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you got it. You got it. You're on the right track. Yeah. That's all. I just want to make sure that we're not sabotaging no, any listening. Yeah, I don't like saying always and never and any every time and yes. stuff like that. So my bad. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're right. Good job, teacher. You're right. <laughs> so maybe maybe also uh, I feel frustrated and unappreciated when I try to be helpful and give advice and you just tell me that that's not what you want or you get mad at me for it. I need to feel heard and appreciated. Heard. Yeah. 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 And so, cheese. I also recommend people, um, I'm usually pushing my clients toward what I call an affirmatively stated need rather than a negatively stated need. Mm-hmm. So, as in, instead of telling your partner, I need you to stop doing XYZ, I need you to not do X, Y, and Z, see if you can reframe it to be something that's additive or affirmative. So, yeah. as in, I need you to ask me before you give advice. I need you to ask me what it is that I'm looking for. Or I'd like you to ask me specifically, what Triforce am I looking for before responding when I'm in pain? Um, Mm -hmm. Things like that. Yeah, that's great. And so now that we're, we're armed with this information, we can come together and look for areas of compromise. Where, where can we be flexible? Where can we get creative? Maybe instead of doing it my way or your way, we, Pick a new third way that's maybe silly. Maybe it's a ridiculous way to do it, but that still could could solve your problem and could become sort of a fun little in-joke in your relationship. Uh, also, along those lines is where can we experiment and try something temporary? What if we try this new thing we're going to do for a week or a month or however long? So having something like a regular check-in, like Radar, to have a regular monthly check-in, can be a really great way to do that. It's, okay, let's make a plan now. Let's talk about a compromise. Let's come up. Let's brainstorm ideas. Decide to try something with the understanding that we're only going to try this till our next radar. And then we're going to reevaluate and go, wow, that really worked. This this ridiculous thing where we said, you know, now whenever we're going to load the dishwasher, we're going to spin around three times first just to break up our patterns, suddenly it works and it becomes this silly little ritual that we do. Or I hated that. That just made me so much more mad because then I was dizzy while I was watching you load the dishwasher badly. This is terrible. Let's come up with something else. (laughs) Right. It really could be that outlandish because it's temporary because then you get to come back and go, okay, did it work? Did it help? Did it change anything? What, What did it help? What didn't it? Stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So what if my partner is engaging in behavior that is directly harmful, directly abusive, toxic, something like that? And we talked a little bit about what that could include, but things like consistent lying or cheating, whether you're non-monogamous or monogamous, uh, breaches of trust, manipulation, emotional, verbal, physical abuse. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we talked about addictive behavior, stuff like that as well. Things like this. So what if my partner is engaging in behavior like this? Yeah. And I want to just put it out there that um, we're going to be referencing some information from this fantastic book called Why Does He Do That by Lundy Bancroft, um, where he goes in great detail about, you know, specifically, I mean, he's specifically looking at straight up abusers and straight up abusive relationships and kind of giving some ideas of like, can you expect them to change? How do you know that they're actually changing? What needs to happen for them to change? Um, So a lot of our resources that we're covering in this section are from that. So go check it out. So first to start out, one of our favorite multi-amory-isms is it's okay to break up. I just want to start this whole section with that. Also, if this is what's going on, while yes, you should expect and and demand change, also you're the one who could get out and leave and break up and we will love you for it. And it's a 100% valid option, oftentimes the best option. So just don't, don't forget that, that that's also okay. Uh, so 
just just need to get that out of the way. <laughs> need to get that out of the way first. Mm-hmm. That it's okay to just leave the relationship. Yeah. So if you're in this position, some important things to remember. One of which is that major change in behavior in this area often requires extrinsic motivation rather than intri- Excuse intrinsic. Me? Extrinsic, extrinsic, extrinsic rather than intrinsic. Okay, so, so external rather than internal? essentially. So intrinsic motivation is kind of like I'm doing something because I just feel like it's fun to do. It makes me feel good to do. It's it's worthy in itself to do. You know, so mm. maybe something like I don't know. I think about like my meditation practice. You know, there's there's no one out there encouraging me to do a meditation practice or threatening me to do a meditation practice uh-huh. or anything like that. I'm just it doing it because it seems like a good thing for me and I like it. Uh, so, but again, this kind of major behavioral change often requires extrinsic motivation. So that means that the change is motivated uh, externally to achieve something good, like having a better relationship or a happier partner, or to avoid something bad, like my partner breaking up with me, for instance. And so that's just to say that like, if you're in a situation that's kind of toxic in this way, it's unlikely that your partner is just going to wake up one day and realize I should be a better person. Really, I'm going to change the way that I behave. That Mm. often with these kind of dynamics, it requires much more direct extrinsic motivation. And another thing to remember is that change shouldn't be vague. It should be highly specific. So as in... A person is changing if you can clearly and specifically see evidence of the change, not just a rough assumption that they're changing or a hope that they're changing. You know, if your partner has told you, okay, yeah, I'm going to change this and you are still full of question marks and you really can't see or feel any evidence of it, that's probably not an indicator of real change. Yeah, or maybe, along the, oh, so I was just going to say, maybe if you say, yeah, I feel like they might be changing and your friends go how and you can't answer that question that's a a good indication that you need to get more specific so that you can know if this is really changing yeah and you may though get a bunch of advice from people like your friends or your family or your metamors if you have multiple partners um you know your other partners stuff like that but you are the only one who will have like the best sense of what real change is. Not necessarily all of those people potentially giving you advice. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this comes up where people can be in a situation where, um, you know, the, this kind of toxic partners, family members goes to bat for them of like, no, they've gotten a whole lot better than, than when I first knew them. Or maybe your metamor is like, oh, no, no. I mean, I feel like they're really changing in my relationship. Like you should give them another chance. You should stick with them. But it's important at the end of the day that it's like, yeah, you have the best sense of, of whether the needle has actually moved or not. Mm-hmm. And related to that, if this person has not budged on this change for a year or five years or, or 20 years, and then finally makes one tiny little change, it can be easy to get too excited and think that this is real progress and the problem solved, even if it's not. So don't downplay your partner's efforts, but also don't believe that now full transformation has happened just because of this one positive interaction, this one instance of them changing the thing. Yes, it's good, but it's not the end. Okay, so let's talk about what you can do. So creating the context for change, which is more of, I think, like an internal thing specifically for you. Like, what can I do? I guess it's external and internal because some it's of this is going to be outward. But yeah. yeah. But if you're the one who's wanting the change from the other person, then this is what you personally yourself can do. So you can be clear on your asks, on your boundaries, something like, I need you or to speak with me with respect and with kindness, even when we disagree, like you need to not raise your voice or not slam your fist on the table or something along those lines. And if a verbal insult is directed at me during a conversation, I'm going to stop the conversation and leave the room. Like that's a a thing that you specifically can do in order to kind of make your ask happen. Even if the person that you're with 
doesn't do what you want in the moment, you can leave the room and make that decision for yourself. That's also, I think, such a good example of boundaries, because I still see boundary used so often as something you're trying to enforce upon your partner or mm -hmm. something you just stand there and be like, hey, keep stop, stop, keep going over my boundary, that the boundary is really something you do yourself. And I think this is such a great example, too, of specifying it beforehand. So then it's not, oh, the conversation got heated and you just ran off to pout because you couldn't handle it. It's no, this has been clarified beforehand. This is a clear boundary. If this happens, I'm going to do this to take care of myself. And, and you know, and so like kind of, yeah, being very clear beforehand about the ask and about your boundaries. I think that's, that's a really nice example of that. Yeah. And then be clear on what your expectations are. So the treatment that you will tolerate, what you won't tolerate, um, in the something like you expect that both of us will put effort in to not using things like insults or name calling or put downs when we're in a disagreement. So that's oh. like an expectation personally for yourself and for them. The term that put downs just do. brought me back to elementary school. That's Put wow. downs. Did you get put down in elementary school? No, we had a lot of e education in my school about not using put downs. But just oh. that term put down like, was very much it, like... Like, what's a put down? Like, you're silly. Your hair looks <laughs> silly. I don't know. Well, okay, the dictionary says it's it's a remark intended to humiliate or criticize someone. So, yeah. Yeah. Hair so, looks yeah, silly. you're silly. Your hair looks silly, yeah. Nailed yeah. it. <laughs> Jace just got a haircut, so no, it doesn't look silly. It looks oh, good. Oh, thank you. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then finally, focus on your own healing and strength. So if the change doesn't happen, maybe you're ready to move on. Maybe you're like, you know what? This is it. We're done here. Um, and things like therapy, support systems, education on what's happening, on what's happening maybe with your partner or what's happening internally with yourself, things like that can all be really empowering here. Yeah, a question I like to ask clients who are in like dysfunctional relationships is, you know, I like asking people, you know, how can you set yourself up so that even if you don't get the thing that you want from this person, you'll still be okay, you know, so that you're not just purely hanging on to needing this particular change so that you're ready and in a good enough space that like, if it doesn't happen, then you know that you can walk away from the relationship relatively unscathed or relatively whole feeling. Or at least safe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we've set the stage. Next is signs of real change. How can, how can you tell? We said before, don't be vague about it. Look for specifics. What does that mean? So to go to our example before about uh, even when we disagree, not using insults. Look for your partner doesn't doesn't belittle you or mock you, right? Look for an absence of, of those behaviors or... Um, just, I guess, just seeing that they respect your opinion, even when they disagree, even in those situations that normally would cause that to happen. And that you're able to talk about your complaints to make your requests without fear of punishment for that or backlash for that or retaliation later, I think is another one. You are free to express a wide range of emotions anger, sadness, frustration, etc., even when they're not related to your partner's behavior, that, that it's a, a safe place for you to have feelings that you have. Another sign of real change to look out for is, are you free to express a wide range of emotions? So not just your happy emotions, but also anger, sadness, frustration, even at times when that sadness and frustration is related to your partner's behavior. Because that's the thing that can happen in kind of more toxic or more dysfunctional situations as well, where like, I can't, I'm not allowed to be sad if it's related to something that you did in the past. I'm not allowed to be angry if it's related to an action that you took that actually hurt me, you know. Um, but if your partner is able to make space for that, then that's different. Another indication that real change is possible is if there's a willingness to compromise and collaborate on solutions, that they're proactive in coming up with the solutions with you and collaborating and not just saying, okay, sure, whatever. Uh, and then seeing consistent and real effort being made toward making changes or the action points that the two of you agreed on. If you can actually see 
the evidence, clear evidence that they are trying those things and that they're trying to enact them. But those are ways that you can tell that change could be possible and that it might be on its way. And we're also going to run through some misleading signs of change that may not actually be change, you know, kind of like Jace was talking about earlier that sometimes after it's been so long of a partner not compromising or not budging, and then they make one tiny little change, you can get excited and feel like, okay, everything's different now when that maybe is not the case. So along those lines, it could be, yeah, maybe your partner tones down the bad behavior, but in that vacuum, there's no good behavior coming in either, you know, so it can be like, sure, okay, fine, I I won't raise my voice, I I won't use insults, I won't, you know, fight in this particular way, but I'm also going to kind of disengage and detach. And I'm not going to fill that void with also like healthy communicative behavior. That's another really important thing to be looking out for. Um, Related is kind of this idea of like, maybe the volume (laughs) is turned down. So as in maybe your fights have less Throwing things, yelling at each other, you know, insults, maybe that's gone, but the words, the sentiments are still the same, like still harmful, you know, Um, that's again, a risk of more abusive or toxic people. I mean, people with toxic or abusive behaviors going to therapy, sometimes either individual or couples therapy is they can come out with kind of like a, a quote unquote, softer, gentler toolkit where they can still be manipulative and cause harm and, and damage. Uh, If a partner is trying to tell you, I can change only if you can change. Now, that can be a little bit tricky because sometimes this can feel a little bit like compromise. Um, But the difference being that it's kind of like if your partner is kind of holding their behavior change hostage, essentially, or for ransom of, well, I'm only going to tone down, you know, using insults or dropping swear words or whatever, only if you stop seeing this particular partner, you know, that's not an actual sign of real change. Uh, Or similarly, if you're getting the sentiment of I can change only if you stick around to help me change. So as in, don't take a break, don't break up with me, don't take time to clear your head, you know, like my change is dependent on you needing to be here. Um, That's also a red flag. Yeah, because change does come from within. Maybe the two of you Maybe that's maybe that's a distinction that might help is that the two of you could compromise about what your your goals are or what you would like behavior to be like, but doing the actual changing, each person does their own changing on their own. That's not something that that like that example of well, I can only make this change if you're here helping me do it. That that's not not a good sign, especially if you know, especially the more serious the bad behavior is. I uh, also criticizing you for not recognizing the change. So their internal change should be enough proof, even if you don't see anything different. So saying something like, you know, I really hate the fact that you didn't see that I made this little change for you or like I did the dishes one day or something or I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something along those lines and that you have to call it out or like have a celebration every time one thing happens. Yeah. It can, if it's small and if it's internal and if it's something that you see happen over time and it really makes a difference, like that's, that's a bigger thing. And if you're criticized for not calling it out, yeah, that's maybe not, that's maybe an indicator that something's not actually happening. And then if your partner is nicer, but still disrespectful and coercive, yeah reminds me of the volume turned down thing that Dedeker said yeah well it's also kind of related to cycle of abuse stuff of like a honeymoon period totally you know is that that's so common that someone may suddenly be nicer or more romantic or more flirty or more tender but if the change doesn't last if that doesn't carry over even into the moments when we're in conflict and in disagreement that's probably not an indicator of real change yeah and finally as we said before and as we have said many times on this podcast if It doesn't work if change doesn't happen. And if you find yourself in a cycle of just bad behavior coming potentially from the two of you or from your partner, then it's okay to break up. Like change may just not happen. And if you're asking for change and it doesn't happen over a period of time, you're perfectly, you know, able to go and break up with the person. Do it. Just do it. I always love to remind people, too, that even if we're not talking about abuse here, right? Like, there's plenty of reasons to break up with someone that's not abuse. 
and that's not them being a bad person, it may just be an incompatibility with you too. Even yeah. if we're talking about one of these sort of more just fundamental belief differences or lifestyle differences or something, it's also totally okay if you learn that that's not compatible to not be in that relationship. It doesn't mean that they're bad. They don't have to be wrong. You don't have to be wrong, but it's also okay to not be in that relationship anymore. And I know that that's hard. I know I, I say that and I make it sound like, oh, that's so easy. I get that that's hard, but oftentimes, I would say almost always in those situations, that's that's the best option for both of you, really, even if it might not feel like it at the time. So we're going to stick around for a bonus episode. We're going to be discussing um, a lot of different things, uh, you know, our theories about where lasting relationship change actually comes from, talking a little bit about power dynamics and who actually starts the change in relationships. So stick around for that if you're one of our Patreon subscribers. And we want to hear from all of our listeners. Do you think it is ever reasonable to expect a partner to change. Have you witnessed a partner change? Um, definitely check out our Instagram stories where we'll be asking some questions and you can weigh in on that. But also the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowork and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Onan from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. 